Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh My dear brothers and sisters who will be tuning into this insha'Allah Today's episode is based around du'as Something that we can all relate to Something that we all want in life is success So success is from du'a Whatever you want in this life Success in this life, success in the akhirah In anything, anything any Advice uh, You're struggling You want goodness you want wealth you want health you want anything the person you should turn to first and foremost is Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the power of dua as we all know all the prophets at their time in their life during their lifetime i mean they had dua there's and, so and much and emphasis on dua 100% throughout every the sahab, every sahab, sahab life, all every the prophets lives because dua is the key the key for your success in this life and inshallah in the hereafter Wallahi, there's so many examples of du'as you can take from the Prophet's lives uh, Any Prophet, even our own Prophets For the most beloved Sahabas, right, that turned to Islam What were they? Du'a that brought Du'a is du'a. du'a And so obviously no du'a of the Prophet is nothing uh, like ours Because his du'as are accepted But that shows to you the power of a du'a You know, there were so many more examples of the power of du'a And they will be discussed, inshallah, in um, this episode We didn't quite get into, or have enough time to get into uh, What certain du'as you should recite Inshallah, we'll try to cover those in in the next discussion episode Or a future halaqa But for the meantime, we decided to focus on its power We had inputs from the brothers, which was amazing And we're starting to get more inputs from them Leading on to inputs, inshallah, if you want to have any inputs regarding how we run this podcast, how we, uh, uh, what guests we should bring on, what topics we should discuss, reach us at mind, uh, minoritymindz at outlook.com. That is our email. Or inshallah. our Instagram, mind underscore of mind underscore a underscore minority. Until we get a better ad, that will be the current one. If you have any suggestions, do let us know, email us, DM us. But that said, Inshallah, keep us in your du'as. Beautiful. And we'll catch you next time, inshallah. Enjoy the episode. Assalamu alaikum. Uh, you know, it's usually like in a controlled environment. Mm-hmm. It's something to do with like in Japan, if you want it. So that means you could technically, I won't say cheat, but you can. Yeah. Open book, basically. Yeah. Um, Japan. It's much better. Japan. Obviously, I work but in. But the only bad thing about it is time. I work in. Yeah. Um, 25 minutes. Carlos. 30. I work in Essex abroad, and obviously, I've got contacts with 150 partner universities. And. There's constant Ooh. emails from 150 partner universities. Japan have put their all of their classes for the spring semester online. Italy, all of the universities in Italy have gone to online, and the people who have been or who want to study abroad right now in Italy, they're back in the UK and they're going in classes online. Mm. I think America's doing in, uh, on, online classes as well. Yeah. LSC has become the first uni, I think, to become virtual. I think the university is considering that. If, if they were to shut down, then this oh, university yeah, is going to be We were just there. discussing today in our team meeting about working from home. Mm. Not going to like, they're going to have to provide me with a laptop, though. No one's feeling sick, by the way. Just, just saying. No? Huh? Everyone's mm. good. No one's feeling sick, yeah? Yeah. Just checking. How many of your eyes are worryingly <coughs> red? Your eyes. What? Your eyes are worryingly red. Really? Yeah. Oh, but I'm, maybe because my uh, throat's lost in it. Oh. Of the oh. Protest. I saw that symptom. Oh. See you too, yeah? Protest. Mm. <laughs> I was protesting. Yeah. I was protesting yesterday, so I was screaming like, Israel's not protesting, like screaming on the top of my voice. And then I'm really hoping it was just to be fair, I travel on the tube regularly. So and then, then obviously... So you're the biggest worry out here. Yeah, 100%. Instantly, after the protest, uh, my voice was gone. And then this morning, I was like... <laughs> <laughs>
I was like, oh shit. <laughs> well, you know what? I made my impact in it. So. Hey, what uh, bars is your ends in London affected? Yeah, hundred. Of course, London's definitely London's no, London is, is your ends affected. Yeah. How many cases? I think three. Oh my god. So he's going back this weekend. Mm. There was yeah. one. There was one. Yes, he's got Corona next week. <laughs> and it's not from the fridge. You get that one, yeah. You explain it to us, Hamza. You know, uh, oh no, because basically, um, because there was a meme where mm. someone was in the store in America, right? Yeah. And people, someone was like, oh, America's so stupid. Because apparently, mm. the Corona Bears yeah. profits plummeted. Oh, I love Americans. Do you? Uh, Hamza, can you pass me a glass and the orange of Old Vic? Give you three. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want three, man. I'll pass him it. I can't oh, take okay. a seat. <laughs> <laughs> I was like being uh, useful and being like, I'll go past them to the class. I'm good, Jazakallah. Uh, Jazakallah. Uh, Hello. You want this in? Hmm? Want this or water? Do you want to make a stop? Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Welcome to another episode of Mind of a Minority. Today I am with the brothers over here, my name is Walid, and me and Salah will be leading this today. Inshallah. So today's topic is about du'a, the power of du'a, and you know, why, why there is suffering in the world, mm-hmm. which links back into du'a as well. And we're going to be touching on certain topics such as coronavirus as well. So, firstly, what <coughs> is du'a? Can anyone tell me like what is du'a? I was asking Allah for... Help, ask Allah for could be anything. You're, just, you're, you're reaching out to Allah. Yeah. About your matters. Hamza, you were about to say. I'm saying it's talking to Allah. Basically, mm. yeah. So dua is supplication. So you implement that throughout the daily lives, throughout your daily lives. Dua. So you ask Allah constantly. We, we do it in prayer. We do it throughout. If we need something, we say, Oh Allah, please, please. Uh, not please, but Oh Allah, can you grant us this? So. Sorry, one second. So du'a is the weapon for the believer, mm-hmm. and is the only and is um, it's like a weapon, and it's only as good as the person who is using it. So it's not merely how sharp it is. So if the weapon is perfect and free of faults, and uh, the arm of the person using it is strong, and there is nothing stopping him, and he can lay waste the enemy. But if any of these three features is lacking, then the effect will be lacking accordingly. And this was said by Imam Ibn Al-Qayyim, may Allah have mercy on him. Rahimullah. So this is basically saying that the weapon, uh, uh, dua itself is like a weapon for the believers. Throughout, throughout history, the, what's called, the leaders of the Muslim empires, from scientists to leaders to you know, mathematicians, they have been making dua, and dua has been a source for their knowledge. Because they make dua, and then constantly and then what does Allah do obviously Allah doesn't de- uh, do the decline he either holds it and gives you something better because that thing might be worse for you or he answers them just straight away mm. and obviously I mean think about our daily lives as well mm-hmm. for example if a job opportunity comes exactly. along our first go-to thing anything where you're kind of faced with a dilemma do I take this do I take that your our go-to should be istikhara for example, the prayer of Istikhara, asking yeah. Allah for guidance. Oh Allah, make it easy, show me signs of whether I should go for this or not. 
So, for example, that could have been something that I think and was hugely implemented in the growth of the what the golden age was. Alaikum assalam. So what you just said. So du'a is a conversation with Allah. It's a conversation between the person making the du'a and the Lord. And this act in itself is an extraordinary um, is of extraordinary significance. It is uplifting. It is liberating. It is empowering, and transforming conversation a person can ever have. We turn to him because we know that he alone can lift our sufferings and solve our problems. Because you're not going to go up to a person and say, can you do this for me? Allah says, uh, I, I won't quote it exactly from the Quran, but I'll just uh, say it. That Allah says to only ask him if you need any help. Shouldn't turn to others because that can lead into shirk. So when we make dua. Yes. I think with that, of course, um, you want to you know, be free from just saying that. Of my age come from Allah and Allah alone. Of course, you know your du'a is guided at Allah, and your help and you know everything else that should come of it will come from the people around you. Absolutely. You know from the companions that you have around you. So, for example, struggling with something, make du'a that Allah makes it easy, and you know gives you guidance and this works and that works. But you know you do your part as well. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And I think an important thing of du'a is I think there's a, a, a hadith uh, that. Um, Someone making du'a, and if you don't, I think it's in, uh, I was watching in the video that if you don't, if you don't make du'a from the heart, and you're just reciting random, you're just reciting Arabic, like you're just literally <coughs> reciting random Arabic, yeah. not random Arabic, yeah. but like you're not understanding you the meaning of the words, saying, yeah. and you're just literally reciting Arabic. That's one thing I wanted to mention. Your yeah. du'a will not be accepted because it's not from the heart. Yeah, yeah. it's recommended to do <coughs> the du'a is actually should be in your own language because it comes Absolutely. from the heart. Because how many of us like make, uh, feel as if we make dua but it doesn't get answered? Yeah. That's pretty much everyone. Because it's not that we've forg forgotten dua, uh, 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 what's it called, <coughs> completely. Because we still make dua here and there, we refer to it regularly. But our ideas and practice regarding dua have become distorted. We often do it, we reduce it to the level of just a ritual. Like when you pray and then you make dua. You won't make dua any, at an, any other time. You'll only make it after prayer, for example, or within prayer, not at any other time. You might, uh, you might sin, repent, get something because you made du'a, but then start sinning again. Yeah. So you see, our the, the, our practice of du'a has become distorted. And yeah. So can you make du'a any time, not just after prayer? You can make any time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is at the end of the day, it's supplication. So we, what we do as humans, and I've, I've realized this, is we do it as an act of last resort. Mm. That, oh, I need something, happens. and then I'm going to make dua. But it doesn't work like that. Because you're going to keep sinning, keep asking Allah. And obviously Allah is like, uh, what's it called, Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. He will forgive you, obviously, for your sins and everything. With sincerity. Yeah, with sincerity. But it's not upon us to repeat the same mistakes again that's us be, be, uh, becoming hypocrites 100% even if you do yeah. your um, so for example we fall into sin which we all do and that's when we tend to like uh, ask for forgiveness as well we have a consciousness and respond you know like return to Allah Yeah. when you make that vow that you won't do this thing again this action this, this sin again you make up the intention you won't do it again but if yeah. you fall into it again that's your nafs that's dragging back in, uh, mm. back into it. So it's not like your du'a wasn't accepted because 
you know, you were put, you dragged back in again. Yeah. If your intention was right, if you know you were, you felt guilty, you had all the things that were accepted from a sincere repentance, then falling back into it doesn't necessarily mean that you know your du'as and repentance wasn't accepted. See, that's uh, that's like kind of talking about the dynamics of du'a. Mm. So a lot of people, the, the reason that they kind of they lose hope or they do a du'a but they don't do it properly and it doesn't get answered is because they don't understand the dynamics of how it's done. Um, the way it should be done and your own, you know, mental state as well. I mean, so one thing that's that's you know like imperative that you do, you need to have full certainty that Allah will answer your your dua. Mm. Some people will do it with like with doubts in their mind. They'll start their dua. They'll be like, mm. okay, maybe it'll work, maybe it won't. That's not the way you're supposed to do it. If you want to ask for something, you ask for it with like you know full mindset, hundred percent. So you don't say, oh Allah, please accept it from yeah, me. Exactly, say Allah, yeah. please. And no, Allah, grant me this. And so certainty. With that comes patience and perseverance as well. Yeah. Because a lot of people, you know, they'll give up after like a certain amount of time. They'll be like, okay, it hasn't come yet, so it's not going to come mm. in the future. Yeah, so what's the point of carrying Yeah, just up? like you said that, we're not sincere when we're making du'a. Mm. So, for example, we often leave it to when we have failed, and therefore then we make du'a, as you just said. We do it when we want something. Not because we, obviously everyone here is Muslim and everything, mm. but we, we often are selfish, you know. Because we keep it to the last resort and we're not sincere enough. And this is one of the most important conditions because Allah says that so called you uh, upon Allah making your worship pure for Him alone, by worshipping none uh, but Him and by doing religious deeds sincerely for Allah's sake only and not to show off and not to set up rivals with Him in worship in chapter 40, verse 14. So sincerity in dua means having the firm belief that the one upon, uh, upon who you call, which is Allah, May he be glorified and exalted is alone able to meet your need and is also uh, means avoiding any kind of showing off in your dua as well so as Salah just said when people lose hope they're like oh why is Allah answering my dua it could be because you're not sincere enough because at the end of the day it matters about the intention as well yeah yeah I think there was an example where I think in the Quran it says um, how um, if you respond to Allah once, He will obviously respond to you just once. Because there was an example where um, there's a story, I think it was Yusuf, Yusuf Islam, and a woman, someone related to him, or someone connected to him, I'm not sure who, but she, she was worshipping an idol, right? And she always had the idol in front of that God, right? And asking the idol by pronouncing its name, oh, give me Yusuf or whatever, right? And I think the name was Samabi. It was like a fake name. Yeah. And it, she was always like, oh, Salami, oh, Salami. Like, hear me out, like, give me Yusuf, yeah? It wasn't being answered because obviously it's not Allah. And then every day she just kept on doing it. And then one day, she had a slip of the tongue and she said, Oh, Samadi, right? Which is one of Allah's names. And then Allah asked Jibrail, reunite Yusuf with this woman. And then Jibrail Islam like, but she didn't, she didn't call your name. She called, she was just a slip of the tongue. And Allah went, no, no, no. She mentioned my name once. Like she, she's been, she was repeatedly saying the fake God's name mm. and nothing was happening. Yeah. She said my name once, if I don't answer them, what's the difference between me and that? 
than a non-existent God. Yeah. So even if you mention God's name yeah. once, he will respond. Exactly. So it's, it's important to realize that uh, the response to a dua takes many forms. I think uh, Salah picked up on that. So either Allah will respond and fulfill the desire of the person who made the dua. So they make dua and it's accepted. Or he will ward off some evil from, uh, from him because of the dua. Or he will make something good, e um, good easy for him to attain because of it. Or he will save it with him, for him, on the day of resurrection when he will be in most need of it. So you should never think that Allah doesn't answer to us. Because at the end of the day, that is <laughs> absurd, absurd because Allah uh, always answers out to us. But it's not always from like when you need, uh, when you want it, it's for when you need it the most. Does anyone know the, uh, the story of Prophet Yunus? The whale, one. Yeah. Is that useful? Yunus. Yeah. So oh, Jonah. Okay. Jonah's oh. story. Mm -hmm. So, do you want to explain it? So the story is where, um, long story short, is basically Prophet Yunus. He gets stuck in a whale. He gets swallowed by a whale, so he's stuck in the stomach. And uh, to get out, um, he basically he recites a special du'a. He says, uh, "Is it Laila Elanta?" I think it's La ilaha illa anta. In, in, in uh, English, it's there's no deity worth, uh, worship, worthy of worship except you. So just that small dua kind of saved them from that situation. Um, and in that situation, like, obviously, when you talk about a prophet, normally it's like quite a big deal. But that's kind of like a way for us to realize how powerful duas can actually be. That even such a small, you know, like phrase to say can save you from such a big calamity as well. Absolutely, and I want to touch upon something what Hamza said about you know worshiping uh, they used to worship false gods and they used to call upon them. So du'a in essence, uh, sorry, it, it is the essence of ibadah. Mm -hmm. So a person engaged in du'a affirms his belief in tawheed, believing in the oneness of Allah. That's the best form of worship. Best form it's of worship. Prayer. And shuns belief in all false gods. Yes, we don't believe in you know false gods. So if you do, you're not calling upon Allah. You're calling upon something other than Allah, which leads to shirk. Which can potentially take you out of the fold of Islam. So, with each dua, uh, what's it called? The, the believer, with each dua, the belief of Allah grows. And um, if a person seriously and sincerely engages in a dua and understands the exact relationship between himself and the Creator and affirms it through their actions, then there's nothing, you know. So called um, stopping it from being answered because at the end of the day this is a this is a form of worship this is the essence of worship and uh, such person can never become arrogant or proud or a logical result of true worship because if you're worshiping Allah correctly there's no way that you can be I mean potentially you could say so all humans we all have our problems we all sin and everything but Allah doesn't say you have to be perfect because he made us free, um, he didn't make us free or false we're imperfect we're, imper uh, we're imperfect, so we do make mistakes. However, we have to remember that Allah is always there, and He can, He's always listening to us. So that's why we should offer du'a. Uh, uh, we should make du'a in order to get closer to Him, because it is uh, the most like potent weapon for the believer. I know we were talking about it before, but um, a nice way to bring this topic into context uh, is with the coronavirus. So, uh, how many of us are actually doing du'a right now to, you know, say that, oh, Allah protect us from this? Honestly, I don't even think of 
I didn't even think it's that bad. Yeah. But then no, yeah. I did. Well, like, uh, that's um, quite coming from a selfish point of view. Thought, because, like, scientists, yeah, scientists are saying like, oh, uh, it might affect the elders or those mm-hmm. with a weaker immune system. But the end of the day, I think young people are the ones that are actually transmitting most of it. Because mm-hmm. we're the ones, you know, capitalizing on the cheap uh, flights everywhere and you know flying out to Italy's and fucking uh, you know all these places that we really shouldn't be going at this time. Mm-hmm. Because the elders aren't doing that, but the elders are the ones aff- uh, being affected right now. Hmm. But yeah, I, I, didn't, I really haven't like even took the time out to make our uh, Allah protect us from this because I, I didn't have even forced that bad yet. Yeah, like I. Well, that's quite naive of me. I've had thoughts coming to my head like, oh, I should be making du'a to protect from this uh, this disease, but those thoughts come and then they go, and they don't make it into my du'a. Which is quite bad, but obviously now I feel like I'm gonna do it now. <laughs> you get me? I feel guilty now. Get me? Nah, no, it does feel quite serious. Now, maybe in the bar's right, like it's not that serious, but it's, it's just something like us. You know, you're supposed to do do about yeah, even nah, the little. That's quite naive of me. Like that's quite a naive yeah. outlook for me. Like in the sense that it's not that deep for me, but exactly. it is. Cause then but it is deep. Because the like I think I spoke to a couple of people about this. The risk is actually systemic risk itself. Mm. It's the fact that it puts pressure. The hospital's already under pressure right now. Like it's understaffed everything. Mm. Um. So with it, how many people can it actually fit? I think cases hit ten thousand in the UK right now. Mm. How many people could you actually fit in those ICU beds? How many ICU yeah. beds could you actually get that could help people get better? Yeah. You're not going to be able to do that. Plus, the patients you're already dealing with. The daily amount of patients already get around the country. Yeah. So you just added an uh, extra strain of 10,000 people to your mm-hmm. hospitals. So that's even a greater risk right now than yeah. the fact it's of its fatality rate. Because yeah. its fatality rate is what makes it so unserious in our eyes. Like in China, for example, the, the hospitals that tried to build in like four days, there were problems in those hospitals. Because you can't really build hospitals in that, that quick because it's a hospital. It's not a, it's not a, a tent. Yeah, so, so linking this back in, so this coronavirus, so let's just talk about calamities in general for mm. trials. So we all often wonder why does this happen? The Black Plague, which happened hundreds of years ago, you know. The, the, to, to, sorry. Yeah. The Palestine-Israel thing. Yeah. You know, why, that's why, why is it? Yeah. We have to remember that these trials of calamities are a test. Because every single one of us, when we accepted Islam, because I'm sure when we grew up, we obviously searched about Islam. We didn't just blind follow. We obviously looked into Islam a little bit, all of us. Mm. And we know that this life is a test. That's what we've been taught, haven't we? So this life is a test. So trials and calamities like that are a test as well. And it's a sign of Allah's love for a person. They're like medicine. Even if it's bitter, you offer it despite its bitterness to one uh, what's it called whom you love and for Allah is, a, uh, is the highest description so according to a hadith uh, narrating uh, of uh, Timothy the greatest reward um, comes with the greatest trial when Allah loves the people he tests them whoever accepts that wins his pleasure but whoever is discontent with uh, that earns his wrath and this was authenticated by um, Shaykh al-Albani so we should not hate the trials that Allah has decreed for us we shouldn't hate them because at the end of the day that is what makes us who we are we go through trials we go through tribulations so that we are where we are today 
I've gone through so much stuff and I don't regret it at all because it is the person I am today. You see, if that wasn't there, I wouldn't have learned about the kind of things that I've dealt with in my life. You see? So as um, Al-Hasan al-Basri said, uh, Rahimullah said, do not hate the trials that befall you or the calamities that happen to you for they may be something that you hate but at least your salvation and there may be something that you love but at least your doom. So, when you facing a trial or calamity, don't ever think that why is this happening to me? Or why me? Of all the like 7 billion people, why me? Well, you're not the only one going through it, first of all. And even if you are, it's, there, it's, it's for a reason. It's for a good reason. It could be from, to make your iman more stronger. Or it could be that you're making a wrong decision and therefore you need to come back to the straight path. So there's all these, uh, what's it called, alternatives to that. But as Salah said, he mentioned, uh, I really like that he mentioned the Palestine conflict. So why is there like, uh, I'm just going to touch into this deeply, uh, briefly. So why is there like, you know, in the Muslim world, why is it so catastrophic? Can anyone tell me like, why is it, why, why is it happening all around the world? If you go to the Middle East, it's basically corrupt. It's messed up compared to the West. You look at Palestine, look at how Palestine ended up. So, does anyone know? Okay. So, Salah, do you, do you want to say something? Uh, I don't know. You don't know? The reason why everything is happening is because we have abandoned, you know, Tawheed. And I don't mean in the way that we have all become non Muslims. Obviously, we haven't. We're still Muslims, alhamdulillah. What I mean is, collectively, as an Ummah, we do not do anything about it we go out there's people rebelling protesting everything but will this make any difference has it ever made any difference if it had we would have still been all right our countries would have been all right there would be no problems but this protesting and everything that i see does it actually bring any benefit in fact it brings more harm than benefit because you see there's more violence than when you if you're rebelling against let's say uh, what's it called? Uh, out of the embassy, the leader of that country will become more aggressive and harm the people more. So, what we have to remember is that dua is the most powerful weapon of the believers. If we collectively make dua, then a lot can change. I'll give an example. So, at the time of Musa, um, there was a actually, I'm going to search up because I don't want you to say anything wrong. Um, But I'm sure you all heard of this. But okay, yes, I found it. So there was a terrible famine that happened, you know, at the time of Musa, and so they didn't have any food. They were basically helpless. So the people came to Musa and they said, they asked him to pray for rain. So Musa we all heard that how we had to, obviously all the prophets had some kind of connection with Allah. So Musa took literally thousands of people with him and asked Allah. He asked Allah for the sake of the infants, the old, uh, old pious men and the woman that, please, uh, can you send down rain? However, what happened? No rain came down. 
it was hot all around and no rain came down. Now, if we were in that situation, we would, well, some of us, not all of us, but when I say some of us, I don't, I'm not talking about people in this room. I'm talking about like, you know, in general as Muslims, we would lose hope, wouldn't we? I maybe, if I was put in that situation, if I asked for rain and everything, I'm, I might lose hope. So Musa again started praying and he uh, asked Allah, you know, shower us with rain. However, Allah informed Musa that it is not that your levels had gone down. The reason for no rain is that amongst you, amongst your people, there is one person who is disobeying my commands for 40 consecutive years. Tell him to get out from your gathering. It is for him I have terminated rainfall. So, just one person. One person sinning for 40 years out of the thousands. And Allah did not send down rain. Now, why is that? Why is that? And Musa salam asked Allah, I have a very low voice. How is it possible that in this large gathering my voice would reach him? And Allah condemned him uh, that he would reach his Prophet's voice to all people. So Musa salam announced that, O oh, sinner, like, uh, who had been committing sins for 40 consecutive years, get out from our gathering. It is for you the rain is not coming. So it's because of you, rain is not coming to us. So listen to this. I mean, if I was put in that situation in front of a thousands, would you come out? I wouldn't come out. So listen to this. Obviously, the sinner looked around and saw that none uh, got out from this gathering. And he thought that it is me that he was talking about. But obviously, he still didn't get out. He was scared. He was frightened, as any person would be. No matter what sin it doesn't matter what sin you committed, you still are going to be, from minor to major, you're still going to be ashamed in front of thousands of people, aren't you? So obviously he didn't get out. So, yeah, so no one came out from the gathering. And so, with great repentance, he repented to Allah himself. He made dua to Allah, the O Rahman Rahim. I had been disobeying you since 40 years. You gave me the opportunity uh, to come back, but I hadn't utilized the chances. Now I sincerely turn to you and uh, do accept me. And even his prayer had not completed, rain started pouring heavily. So that shows you the power of dua. That as us as a collective ummah, if we make dua, all of us, each and every one of us, then it could make a big difference. We might think, oh, it's only dua, what's it going to happen? We're not physically going out and everything, but it, it will happen. Dua is the most powerful weapon for the believer. So Musa Islam was quite astonished. So he said to Allah, oh Lord, not a single person had gone out from this gathering. So what, what is the reason for this rain falling? And Allah replied, was, oh Musa, it is for you, uh, for that person, now I descended the rain for whom I stopped it. So, oh, uh, so Musa Islam asked Allah, Oh Allah, do expose that person to me. Like, get to know him. Yeah. I want to know who this guy is. Yeah, I want to know who this yeah. guy is. That I, uh, I want to know. So, Allah has said, I did not humiliate him at the time he disobeyed me. Why would I now humiliate him when he had, uh, when he had come into my shelter? Humiliate? Humiliate. I can't say that <laughs> word. Thank you. Humiliate. humiliate. Humiliate, yeah, somewhere, yeah, I can never say that word. Yeah, so because he wanted to know, like, because it was also this man that they won't get salvation because of. 
but then it was also this man that ends up getting salvation because of so, yeah, so oh, so, yeah. I, I hope I think so I can't see this yeah, yeah still okay good. yeah so that just shows <coughs> moral of the story making dua is the most powerful weapon for the believer because as in the Musa Islam's example the people his people rainfall didn't come down because of one person amongst the thousands didn't you know he was disobeying Allah and he never repented. Well, he did may have repented here and there, but he still get uh, still uh, disobeyed Allah and his commands. Yeah. But then in the end, he made dua, and what happened? Rain started falling. Yeah. Everything came to him, even though he might have lost hope. That why isn't it rain falling? He made dua, and it started falling. Yeah. And that, that's why I'm going to link to the previous point that Salah had mentioned. Why there's so much suffering in the world? It's because most of us. We don't do this anymore like they did back in the day, like hundreds of years ago. In this time, we can, but yeah. So, uh, it's probably carry on. Yeah. I was gonna say I saw something about um that one, that exact thing that relates really like well to that about when Allah conceals your sins. Uh, I think you may have all seen it as well. It was on a freshly grounded podcast. Yeah. Um, but if Allah conceals your sins, do not go out there out of your way to then show everybody else your sins. Mm. Don't expose yourself. Mm-hmm. For example, you do something or anything that brings you, you know, that is a sin. Yeah. And Allah has concealed it. Nobody will know of it. Yeah. Nobody will know what just happened. Mm-hmm. It's only between you and Allah. Absolutely. The last thing you need is to then go and expose yourself. Because one, Allah dislikes that heavily. So that, that really should be your only reason that as to why you shouldn't. But two people will start to judge you. They'll look at you different. Mm. Like you, you, you'll lose standing. You'll lose respect. The respect that Allah gives you in the community, you'll lose that. The, you know, in society and everything. And these things, are, they do have importance to it. Like, you know, we see all the great Sahabas. Why they were, like, so great was they had a great standing within their community beforehand. Muhammad they believed his piety, his, uh, his uh, you know, he was trustworthy and honest. And people believed him was because he already had this standing. He already had this, these values in him. Before revelation, so when revelation came along, someone like Uthman ibn Affan, he goes, "Who is it that claims to be prophet?" He goes, uh, it's "Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, not the sadiqul amin, the truthful one, the honest one." Oh, him? Okay, he knows he doesn't lie. You know, that like don't conceal your sins, because then people will change perception of you. People will lose your your words will hold less value to them. Yeah. You know, people will no longer trust you of anything. So yeah, like. Just tying into that, never ever conceal your own sins when uh, expose your own sins when Allah so, conceals it for you. Never conceal them. <laughs> never conceal them. <laughs> yeah. So you should never expose your sins, as yeah. Nabar just said. Because if you're exposing it, then that can be held against you on the day of judgment. So, yeah. So, moral of the story start making dua. Even if it's a little bit, day by day, just make dua. Pray for the Ummah. You know, pray that. Allah helps us, the Muslims, in need all around the globe. Because the whole reason why this happened was, is because, for example, I'll go back to the Ottoman Empire, the end of the Ottoman Empire, when they collapsed. Mm. Now, when they, before they were about to, it's a short history lesson, but <laughs> when they were about to collapse, all the nations, the Muslim nations, mm. within the Ottoman Empire, they were fighting amongst each other. Mm. And Britain had escal- uh, instigated that, actually. So they were fighting amongst each other, they left Tawheed, they left it and started fighting amongst each other. They, they didn't stop making dua, stop worshipping. Well, obviously, they obviously worshipped yeah. Allah throughout their daily lives, but what I mean is collectively as an ummah, they didn't. They stopped doing that. They started fighting each other. And you obviously heard the Turks versus the Arabs. You know, 
near the end of the, of the Ottoman Empire. So that's what happened. And what happened? What happened? Their okay. last Khilafah destroyed. Mm. Muslims had then, you know, come up with their own countries, for example, Saudi Arabia, mm. etc. And then what happened? Most of those Arab countries, what happened to them? What happened to them? Essentially. Essentially. And who has the most power over those countries now? The West. The West have like literally got them in their grasp. Our countries back home. And the reason for this is you can date it back to the end of the Ottoman Empire it's because they left, you know, the uh, they left the uh, they left the and started fighting amongst each other. And that is the result innocent people have been suffering because of that. So when people say, Oh, it's Allah's fault, astaghfirullah. People say that. It's Allah's fault. But it's really not. It is your own fault. It's your, the, you're the reason why the, all the suffering is happening here. Yeah, remember that example I believe that was given about when the Prophet said that my ummah is like the body. Like the body. Uh, the, my ummah is like a body. If oh, yeah. One limb of it hurts, the rest of it hurts. Yeah. And, um, and then I also remember Muhammad Ablus, he gave this lecture and he said, your actions, your sins, they impact others as well. For example, Absolutely. when I sin, start small, everything starts small. If I sin, then it becomes comfortable for someone else to do it. Someone else does it, then a group of people becomes comfortable. But then when a group of people do it, then, then uh, a community does it. And when like a community does it, a city does it. A city does it, the next city does it. And the next city, the next city, you have a country that does it. So the problem is, I mean, I'm not saying like, you know, you're not a trendsetter like that, but uh, you do tend to have a problem where if you, if, when you're sinning, you're contributing to the, to the pain of that limb, yeah. which is essentially the ummah. You're impacting the ummah. It might not be that. It's your own life, which more or less you'll have impact on your own life. And I'm, I'm not saying like this is, uh, you know, from a hadith or I heard about either. My, my own interpretation is like when, when you tend to sin, you tend to see the impact either closer to home or elsewhere as well in the Muslim ummah as well. And that's yeah. crazy because you think of it from the other perspective as well. So if you, if you sin, it affects the rest of the ummah. What if you do dua for the rest of the ummah? Absolutely. For example, when you give one, one pound, I say, I'll give this in the name of every single person that, mm. you know, said, uh, la illallah, I don't lose any of my rizq, I don't lose anything. Yeah. But everybody else so, gains from it. Essentially, that, that's, that's what it is. So, like in the times that we're living today, we see, like, you know, the atrocities in uh, Palestine, uh, Kashmir, Iraq, Afghanistan, uh, Iran. It's all around the world. All around the world, the list goes on. What do we do? We just uh, become frustrated and depressed, and that's it. Oh, stop doing this. You, There's nothing we can yeah, do. Yeah, that's all they do. They just go out, and they just start protesting. That's all they do. They don't make mm. the they forget about it. So this is my message to the people, on a personal level, that stop feeling sad and depressed. Wallahi, it's sad what's happening in our own countries. And obviously, we are all sad. But what I mean is, just go past that. Look, if you're standing... Let's say you're in a war zone and you have a brick wall in front of you and you're standing right in front of the brick wall. What will you see? Just a wall, won't you? Mm. But if you're standing a mile away or even let's say like, a, let's say 30 meters away, you're going to see the bigger picture, aren't you? From the wall to the bigger picture. I so you have to think about the bigger picture here. I think honestly, the biggest thing that we need to do in regards to that is stop seeing dua as your last resort. Like that's essentially what we're coming exactly back what to. Exactly what I was about to mention. Yeah, essentially what we're going back to is we always say, oh, if there's nothing, we, we can't do anything for Palestine. I can't give them my money. I can't give them this. I can't give them that. I can't give them my clothes. I can't give them food. I can't give them anything. What can I do? Oh, last resort, give dua. Exactly. Essentially, first resort should be dua because you're asking 
the Almighty, you should you should be asking Allah with Absolutely. You know, because when you when if you're depressed and you start complaining, oh, this is what happening in our Muslim countries. Look at oh, look at the Saudi leader. Look what he's doing. You feel hopeless when you know when so much exactly. going on. You kind of feel hopeless. Oh, what can I change? Yeah. Mm. Absolutely, that's hundred percent. And therefore, the du'a can change our life. It can change our outlook and our faith. It's the most potent weapon for us believers. So it works only for those who are sincere and who seriously need need it. So stop complaining and actually make the du'a. Turn to Allah. When you when you mentioned fate, mm-hmm. so obviously we believe in predestination. Yeah, of course. Uh, right. And everything is written, Allah has written yeah. everything before you even existed mm. up in the heavens, mm. right? And that's predestination. Yeah, everything. Yeah. One thing that can change predestination is dua. <coughs> uh, I've heard that before. It's, um, like yeah. if you make dua, it, 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 it doesn't, it doesn't change. Like, you know, what's written is written. The ink doesn't go, the ink is dried, it doesn't go back. Uh, I mean, I don't have the knowledge to answer that correctly, but I believe the ink is dried. Like Allah knew exactly what would happen. He knew that you know you would make that du'a. If you know, what I mean, that's how it works. You, you'd make this du'a to prevent something. To change it. Everything is still written, though. You didn't escape something because you made a du'a. You still get what Allah gave you, right? Your risk, your du'a, was written that you'd make this exact du'a. If you get what I mean. Okay. Yeah. And if you don't make the du'a, mm, that's, that's written. So. Let me let me right. check in here because yeah. I think I have a bit of knowledge about I Inshallah, read um, yeah. uh, Sheikh Yasser Qadi and mm. this guy. What's his name? Numar Ali Khan. This king of destiny. So from my understanding of what they've said is that there's levels of destiny. There are things. There's um the highest level, which is what we know as the Laul Mafush. That's the the ink is like the pen has been lifted and the ink is dried. Yeah. This was written before anything was created. Mm. And it's a record of everything that would happen from the beginning to the end of time. So that's the record. It will not change. Only Allah has access to this. No one else has access to this. No one knows what the day of judgment. When the day of judgment. When the trumpet. Exactly. When Allah only has access. Only Allah has access to this. But the destiny about what the <coughs> angels write are the things that the angels know. So, for example, when we're in the wombs of our mothers, they write the destiny. Uh, what the child is going to be. Whether it's going to be a person of general jannah whether it's going to be male or female, things like that. These ones are some things that could change. Of course, gender will not change, but I mean, so whether someone is a person of gender and gender. The ones that are the levels that the angels administer, right? So there's destiny that's written every week, there's every month. There's one that say they write every, every Ramadan. Yeah? So there's different levels. Yeah. Those ones can change. Mm-hmm. Whether it will change or not, Allah knows it's in the law of Mahfush, mm-hmm. Right? So, but we don't know, and we try our best efforts mm-hmm. to make dua. So when we make dua, the angels take our dua to Allah and Allah says, okay, change it. Allah, of course, knows he's going to change. And some, some of the Sahaba, they asked questions about this, actually, uh, that if everything is predestined, then why do we bother to make actions? We still ask the same questions still today, yeah. right? So Rasulullah told them that you will find that your actions are tailored towards what is destined that you will do. So if you make dua, it simply means it's written that you will make dua. And if you don't make dua, it's written that you will not make dua. You're not going to do something that's not destined that you will, you will do or not. Mm. And also when you quote a hadith where the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi said, Nothing can change the divine decree except dua. And this is narrated by Ahmed. 
and also there's a class Sahih by Sheikh Al Bani. So yeah, so what i said. So um, and he also said that whoever has the gate of du'a open for him, uh, to him, has the gates of mercy open to him, and Allah is never asked for anything that He gives which is more beloved to him than being asked for uh, good health and well-being. And du'a is beneficial with regards to what has been decreed and what has not been decreed. So, O oh, slaves of Allah, you must make du'a. And this is narrated in Tirmidhi. And he also said in another narration that uh, in, uh, no precaution can protect against the decree of Allah. Du'a is, a beneficial, uh, is beneficial with regard to what has been decreed and what has not been decreed. So the du'as meets the calamity that has been decreed and wrestles with it until the day of resurrection. So, as Abdullah uh, just beautifully explained, that du'a is, everything is obviously written down, it's predestined, but it is du'a, you mentioned that didn't you, that mm. it's du'a that can change but even then Allah knows that it will change so oh, therefore yes, yes. it's still predestined for those people who might think you know logically okay how could I say if it's predestined already how can it change well then again it's already predestined that that I destiny think, can change I think it's, it's our perception of destiny it's our yeah. perception of destiny yeah. oh Allah let me escape from this destiny that you're yeah, yeah, yeah. because I don't believe that it will end in a good way our, our perception is kind of like half empty looking at the glass we say half empty when it comes to our destiny and our fate with Allah uh, rather than, uh, if you know what I mean, like in a way that before we discuss this and try to explain how fate works, oh, dua can change fate. Okay, I'm going to make dua because that would mean that um, if I continue the way I'm going now, which is not revising and everything, right, I'll pass my exams because dua can change your destiny. No. If you continue, right, you make dua, it doesn't change what Allah already determined. Mm. You don't know what He determined. But you keep going with the belief that what did, what he used, what he's determined for you is good, mm. and it's written for you that you'll make a du'a. That doesn't mean yeah. you should not make the du'a. It's written for you that you will make that du'a, and you'll you know you'll ask Allah for this and you'll ask Allah for that. What will be granted is also written as well. I think our perception of risk, Allah's risk, needs to be kind of like a little bit more positive. And I'm kind of speaking myself to myself first because my perception is always you like oh you know. I feel like I'm not going to get the best, uh, I'm not going to get what I want, mm. you know, always like, you know, oh, Allah, you know, I really don't want this to happen, even even if you think it's the best, I don't want it to happen, I don't want it to happen, like, we don't, we really don't know, we, we live, we have a really tunnel vision of life. Yeah, mm, that's, a, that's a good point that Abbas mentioned, is that a lot of the time when you make a du'a, there's some du'as that you need to put your own work into it as well, you need to put a bit of your own, like, effort into it, a lot me myself sometimes as well a lot of people um, they'll make a du'a and they won't put any work into it which means that you don't really get what you want because you haven't done anything for it in the first place you don't leave it all up to Allah you do some some you know you try your hardest as well it's like a two-way deal type thing Interesting. so yeah absolutely an example of that is uh, during the battle of Badr and of course the angels came to help the Muslims but Allah could have simply taking care of them without the need for a battle. But Allah wanted to pass a message mm -hmm. that the Muslims need to make effort and they will support their effort and grant them mm -hmm. Because everything was just laid out to us is in this heaven then, mm -hmm. is in this jannah. We, we have to understand that this life is a test and we're here. And the, uh, the, only Allah knows like why he created, you know, there's obviously scholarly debate here and there. 
but only Allah knows and on the day of judgment we're going to find out the you know the uh, what's it called the real reason the you know yeah so <laughs> the real reason <laughs> I was thinking of a word but it wasn't coming into my mind and by the way if you want some cookies or drinks mm. you can by the way or if anyone yeah thank you very much yeah okay so, what are you um what's this name um we were talking about you know the reason behind why allah created heaven and hell and we only know that in the day of judgment as to why hmm. yeah i kind of forgot why i said that you lost your trail of thought no worries new 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 point what did i say before that Anybody else? New point. <laughs> yeah, new point. Um, new point. <laughs> you have to say um, that the du'a, because obviously du'a is the best form of worship. It's actually better than salah, right? Speak to you in English, and I'll speak to you it's in like, English. You know? Is that me? I come from an Arabic background. 
some of my drives in Arabic, well, I'll tell you facts, majority of it's in English. I'll just, you can't in English. Yeah. I'll, I'll mix it up, if anything. Can't make it up. It's like, it's like, it like um, I'll tell her what does it mean first, hmm. and then I can say it with purpose. 100%. Yeah. You can't just recite something for the sake of yeah. reciting it. Of course, Salah is that thing you should recite. Until, until you should... Um, it's like a doctor. You can yeah. like, get a PhD and a doctor by just memorizing what you've studied. But if you haven't applied that to real life, you don't know what it means. Okay. How are you going to become a doctor? Sure, I could get a first in my degree, accounting and finance, but just memorizing it, you know, just, you know, memorizing it and, you know... Because it's easy to... I, I can recite to you a French song that I have no clue what yeah. they're saying. It's really easy to recite Stop something up. that's a different language, you know. Mm-hmm. But the idea is really. Unless you, you don't know understand. what it means, then you can't apply that in your life. No, 100% not. Yeah. That oh. that you mentioned, there was actually a person who was saying Astaghfirullah, Astaghfirullah, like repeatedly without meaning. And Prophet told him, Astaghfirullah means Astaghfirullah. Because hmm. in a way, you, like, what's you're the saying forgive me, but. Uh, what's no. the point of you saying forgive me? Like, is that a hadith? Yeah, yeah. Okay. With that, yeah. guys, I need to go real quick. Okay. Brother H, send me as an errand. Errand boy these days. Alright. That's my duty around ice with me. Farewell. Good luck on your quest. Cheers, <laughs> So, does anyone want to add anything? You know, how long has it been? Actually, it's been like 40 minutes. Yeah, tell me screen real quick. I think you just deep back my phone recording. Oh, 48 minutes. You must leave. What the left? Edit the last bit. So, wrap up. Yeah, yeah, so in conclude, to conclude the session today, dua, make dua. You know, don't ever despair the mercy of Allah. Don't ever despair, like, you know, the power of dua itself. Always just tell yourself that, you know, Allah will, is listening to me. Even though um, uh, Allah might not answer me right now, even though it's not coming to me right now, but it will be saved for me for a later time or. Yeah. Time, time. So yeah, so always make sure to make dua and make dua for not just for yourselves in moments of you know um uh, what's it called um when when something's necessary when it's something you need, but make it throughout your whole you in know times of happiness, uh, happiness, times of happiness yeah. sadness. Keep making dua for your family, for for yourself obviously and for the ummah. So uh, salam alaikum and inshallah we will carry on next week. Assalamu alaikum.